Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Fields here again, and I'm so glad to be with you tonight. I want to thank you, immediately thank you for allowing me into your homes, your living rooms, your cars, wherever you are tonight, getting ready to go into the Word of God and to share with you, share my heart, share my thoughts, most of all, to share the Word of God with you. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I pray uh, that this day has been a blessed day for you. The Lord certainly has kept you, and that's a blessing within itself, to be able to get up in the morning and sit down in the evening and reminisce over the fact that God has kept you all day long, minute by minute, hour by hour, here you are now, about to receive a word from the Lord. Isn't God good? Yes, he is. I want to give those uh, saints who are just coming on a chance to come into the sanctuary as we prepare our hearts and minds for the reception of God's word. Here at Greater Refuge Temple in Washington, D.C., and also the saints of God in the Bronx at Refuge Temple Annex, we welcome all of you. Thank you for coming in to this Bible study. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we do thank you and we praise your holy name. Hallelujah. You've kept us all day long because of you. We are here now. And we ask, Father, that you would bless us in the midst of your word. Touch our hearts, our minds, our souls. Speak to us, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I see more of the saints are coming in. More of the saints are connecting with us on tonight. And I, I am really happy to be with you. I'm thankful for God for keeping me and watching over me as I'm sure you are also. Well, this will be our fifth installment on our five-part series entitled, What's Going On in the Kingdom of God? And I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying the word of the Lord so much. And we've decided to use some of the parables. There are many parables in the word of God, uh, but we decided to just pick five parables and, and pull them apart and see what the Lord was saying to his children. Uh, the first installment, remember, uh, was the parable uh, called The Farmer, the Seed, and the Soils. Uh, that was the very first that we dealt with. And the second installment, we dealt with the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds. The third one was the older brother, right? Everyone talks about the prodigal son, but very seldom uh, do you hear uh, anyone talk about the one that stayed home. Uh, and we got into that, and the Lord blessed us. And last week we talked about workers in the vineyard. Now, if you want any of these lessons, of course, and I hope uh, you all know that when the reminders go out, you can click on a link and the notes, my notes, will pop up right in front of you. And you can download the notes or print them out uh, and use them for your own personal study or devotion. But my notes are there. Uh, and once you receive them, they're yours. You can use them as you will. Um, tonight, we are going to deal with an extremely familiar parable. 
I'm going to be dealing with the ten virgins. And you know, this, uh, this is something I'm sure everyone knows about the ten virgins. Uh, you've heard about it in Sunday school, and um, we're going to talk about it tonight. I've, I've chosen this uh, to be the fifth one in the last installment on this series, and we told you uh, it's recurring. We'll come back from time to time during the year and choose another five parables and talk about what's going on in the kingdom. <clears throat> Excuse me, and of course... Uh, we understand it's a question that should be asked. It needs to be asked, and the answer really can be understood or even received by those who have an ear. Jesus would say in his word, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. That's his way of saying, pay attention, I'm talking to you. Pay attention, I don't want you to miss this. Uh, and we also understand that when we deal with parables, Parables are not only to show us or instruct us in kingdom principles, but it also deals with the condition of the kingdom. Oftentimes, before the Lord would start off his parable or his teaching, he would say the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is as such and such. So there's great value in reading the parables uh, and some of the Lord's most important teachings are wrapped up in his parable teachings which is a have a earthly story i'm sorry with a heavenly meaning so let's dive into it shall we the gospel according to saint matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13 Sounds like this, and remember, oftentimes he was started off like this, and this is Jesus teaching. He says, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto. Kingdom of God is like this. This is the condition. Mm -hmm. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil. For our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Powerful story. Now there are many interpretations of this parable, um, which is one of those relating to Jesus' second coming. It's talking about the fact that Jesus is coming again. 
and we can analyze it quickly and, and nip it quickly, even without going through it by saying, is Jesus perhaps telling us that only 50% of the church will be ready when he comes? Five wise, five foolish. Hmm. Uh, some theologians and commentators have made its teaching apply only to future dispensation. Uh, our best course really is to emphasize the simple and direct lesson that is being taught here, uh, which lies right in the surface of this story. And I'm saying surface, but there's really some depthness to this. Uh, and we'll dive into it a little bit tonight. Let's go Let's go quickly to verse 13. Verse 13 of this parable uh, is, it's the key verse. It's the key verse. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Watch, be alert, be careful. Remember, I say it all the time. Be careful, be prayerful, be holy. We don't know when Jesus is coming. Don't know when. So it's the key verse. The ten virgins uh, represent the visible professing church. The visible professing church, which is in the world today. That's what it represents. When Jesus was talking, actually talking in real time, he was talking about the church in his day, the church now. This is, this is how I see it. And the word of God still applies the same today. So is likened unto the visible professing church, which is in the world today. So uh, here would then be a picture of Christendom, believership, if you want to say, consisting of two classes of people. Would say, well, there are two types of people, according to this uh, analogy, according to this particular parable. There, there are then two types of people. In the kingdom, there are those who possess, and then there are those who profess. Possession and profession. So uh, let's dig a little deeper. The five wise virgins who have oil in their lamps represent the real believers, those who have been born again, those who have been filled with the Holy Ghost. And the five foolish virgins would represent. Uh, those who are merely professing, those who are professing, well, I'm saved, but I don't have the Holy Ghost. Or they've simply spent their life in church, but they never gave their life to the Lord. Never got born again, never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you need the Holy Ghost. Put it in the comment section, hashtag, you need the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You run into people today, even in the church, and it's about the kingdom. The kingdom is like this, who f treat the Holy Ghost like it's really nothing. I can take it or leave it. Uh, but you better believe you need the Holy Ghost. That same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies. Uh, there'll be no liftoff without the Holy Ghost. <laughs> There's no power to take off if you don't have the. You need the Holy Ghost to make it. In. So the five foolish represent, again, those who are simply professing. They don't possess it. They looked the part. They had lamps. They were dressed, but they had no oil. So these two classes are in the church today. 
Yeah, the lamps speak of the lamps speak of a testimony of profession. You know, so immediately if you saw the lamps, you would think, uh, oh, these these young ladies, they're they're ready. They have their lamp. They're ready. Uh, it it looked like they were ready, but there was no oil in the lamp. Think about it today. People walk around with Bibles and crosses. Yeah. Uh, they, they look the part, they have robes, they know which robe to wear, they know which uniform. They look the part, but there's no oil. Listen, you don't need a, 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 you don't need a uniform to, to make it in. You don't need a cross to make it in. You don't need a backward collar to make it in. You need the Holy Ghost to make it in to glory. So the lamp spoke of a testimony of profession. Uh, and there are many people who profess they know God, but they don't have him on the inside. They deny his works. They deny the workings of the Holy Ghost. Remember, uh, having a form of godliness, but they're denying the power thereof. Let me take you to, to Timothy 1 and 16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. How does one become a reprobate? By going so long in the wrong direction against God's word, against his way. They're in the church. They're in, they're in the church. Wise and foolish. They're in the church, but they refuse to obtain salvation God's way. They want God to accept what they're giving, but in order to be saved, you have to give your life to him. And allow him inside. They have a form of godliness, but deny his power. Second Timothy 3 and 5. It says it having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So it's 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 the presence of the Holy Ghost uh, in my heart, in my soul, the Holy Ghost in me that constitutes me as a child of God, as a true believer. Yes, as a true believer. Um, how do we stand in regards to this? How do we stand? Uh, and I'm, we, you know, we got to talk straight talk. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Or have you been sitting in church for years and, and never received the power, the gift of the Holy Ghost, Romans 8 and 9, be ye not, I'm sorry, be, but ye are not in the flesh, I'm sorry, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So here is Paul writing, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, then you really can't say you belong to God because the Holy Ghost is that seal, it's that down payment. The Lord knows those that are his having this seal, having this seal. So according to the parable, the wise and the foolish virgins, the possessing believer and the professing believer will be together. Sounds like the wheat and the tares, doesn't it? So we have, we have people that have the Holy Ghost who have received salvation and who are willing to take the steps necessary and do what the mm -hmm. Lord told them. Then we have others. Uh, who are in church, but it's not in them. The Holy Ghost is not in them. Uh, but in order to really uh, belong to God and to really 
have a right to the tree of life, you have to have Jesus abiding on the inside. Now, of course, we believe in the certainty and the imminence of, of the second coming of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again, and you've heard me say it before, and he's coming for spirit-filled believers. Hallelujah. And, and this parable teaches this, that the bridegroom is coming, and we've got to be ready. Um, the testimony of the whole Bible <laughs> is, is telling us that if you want to be ready when Jesus comes, then you have to have God on the inside. Yeah. John 14 and 3, and if I go, this is Jesus talking, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Acts 1, 9 through 11, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Jesus ascended up to heaven. There's a song we used to sing. Jesus ascended up to heaven and he's coming back. Just like he said he would. He went up. He ascended into glory and went and sat down on the right hand of the throne. And the Holy Ghost fell. Yes, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Falling of the Holy Ghost. And Paul writes to the Thessalonica church, Thessalonica church, I'm sorry, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Thank you, Father. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I say again in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 24 through 28. Come on, let's dive in the word. Open your Bibles. Follow me. Yes, 24 through 28. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but in heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest, entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by, by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin, under salvation. It's all in the word of God. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And he's, Jesus himself is teaching this parable 
letting them know that when the bridegroom comes, you've got to make sure that you have oil in your vessel. Uh, so what exactly will his coming mean? We talked about the fact that uh, there, there are two t groups in the kingdom. Uh, Jesus is, is uh, talking about here, right? And he uses uh, the illustration of 10 virgins, five wise, five foolish, right? Um, why are they described as foolish? And what made the other wise? Well, according, listen to my notes, according to the Jewish annotated New Testament, bridemaids were called virgins. They accompany the bridegroom to the house of the bride and then escort both to the house where the wedding and feast will take place. So at this point, listen to my notes. So at this point, the virgins are awaiting to take the first step in the wedding process. The first step in the wedding process. The bridegroom was a long time coming. It says they were waiting for him. Maybe he had a long, you know, uh, in my notes, I'm, I'm just using my imagination. Maybe he had a long bachelor party, but that time where they slept represents grace. It represents grace. Hallelujah. And I know we've been talking about Jesus is coming for years, uh, but it's it's grace, the grace of God. Even now, uh, everybody's not a dispensationalist, but grace and grace didn't just start in the New Testament. We, we see even in the Old Testament where God showed grace and mercy to those. He could have wiped them out right away. But God's grace, he's giving us time. Think about it this way. Those who had, had oil uh, were sleeping. And those who didn't have oil were sleeping. Time, the same time, the same time elapsed for both groups. Why didn't the group that didn't have oil get up and get some oil? Why didn't they make sure they had oil in their lamp? Why do so many sit in church for years and never bother to tarry for the Holy Ghost, never bother to, to seek the Holy Ghost? So uh, the coming of the Lord is going to mean different things to different people. And, and let's talk about that. Let's, let's come at it at this angle, the fact that uh, the coming of the Lord will not be the same for the professors as it is for the possessors. And this is what Jesus is, is really talking about. Uh, the bridegroom is coming and the kingdom is like five foolish virgins and ten virgins. And he begins to tell the story. So um, the first thing I would say and let's, let's talk about what it means to those who are possessing. What does it mean to those who are filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes. What, what does the coming of the Lord mean to someone who has given up their life of sin, surrendered all, and said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was a Sunday night for me. Yes, I was on my knees. Glory to God. Yes, Lord. And I thank God for the Holy Ghost. What does the coming of the Lord, what does it mean to someone who has received the gift of the Holy Ghost? Well, 
Uh, what it means to those who have the Holy Ghost is it, it means immediate entry into the presence of the Lord, right? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But let's go to verse 10 of the parable. We're in the parable of the 10 virgins, uh, Matthew 25, and I'm in verse 10 now. And while they went to buy, while those who had no oil went to buy, because remember, they came to those who had oil and said, give us some of your oil. And those had, that had the Holy Ghost that had the oil looked at them and said, no, if I give you some of mine, I won't have enough for me. And you at the same time, uh, put it in the hash, put it in the comment section, hashtag get your own oil. You got to get the Holy Ghost for yourself. And this ain't the kind of thing. This is not soda or or um, some of y'all say soda pop. This is this is no, not drink or or food that you can share. This is my salvation. It said, get your own oil. Go buy some for yourself. So verse 10 picks up there and says, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Why sit in church all these years? Right. And when Jesus comes, you're not going to have time. We're not going to have time to run to the altar and say, Lord, save me. You got all this time now. You've had all these years and no man knows the day nor the hour when the son of man shall appear. But listen. To those of us who have the Holy Ghost, it means an immediate entry into his presence. Because it says, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready. Hallelujah. They that were ready went in. They that were ready went in. My Lord, you got the Holy Ghost when Jesus comes, you're going in. <laughs> Yeah, I feel a praise break right there. It says it. And they that were ready went in. Some people, listen, when you talk about the Lord's return, some some people flinch. They, they even get fearful when you talk about it. Uh, but there's no need for those who are filled with the Holy Ghost to, to have any fear. He's coming. He's coming to get us. Jesus is coming to get me. Put that in the comment section. Jesus is coming to get me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they're, they're fearful. And, and for the moment he comes, uh, listen to my notes. For the moment he comes will mark the time of our release. This is what it means for those of us who have the Holy Ghost. We will be released. We will be released. Released from all of earth's limitations. That is powerful. When Jesus comes, we will immediately be released from earth's limitations and the greatest limitation is this body of flesh we're living in we are limited in this body now we're the sons of god but it doesn't yet appear what we shall be we know when he appears we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is lord i feel this in my spirit right no more limitations when he comes Yes, and at once we shall be away from this body and at home with the Lord. Second Corinthians 5 and 8. What does it say? We are confident, I say, and willing rather <clears throat> to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We'll be with him. It's better by far to be with him. 
Yes, always better to be with him. Philippians 1 and 23. Let's go into the word. For I am in the strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Paul was actually in between uh, two opinions within himself. Should I leave and go see Jesus now or should I stay here and continue guiding the church? He said it's far better for me to be with the Lord. Yes, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. We're not all going to fall asleep. We're not all. When Jesus comes, some of us will still be alive. First Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. Yes, we shall be changed. Listen. Uh, nowhere in the scriptures that I've read so far will you find the terminology or uh, the concepts of purgatory. There's no in-between place. No in-between. There's no holding place. If, if you die in your sins, there's no holding place uh, where, where you wait and then somebody who's still alive can pray you into heaven. No. While you have time, you need to make sure... Make your calling and election sure. Make sure you have the Holy Ghost. Make sure you have the Holy Ghost. I say again, and I'm not so sure I'm talking to the unbeliever now. I'm talking to some who have been in church for a long. Make sure you have the Holy Ghost. Christ living on the inside. Christ living on the inside. Uh, if, if I pass away before he comes and if I die in Christ, I'll be caught up to meet the Lord. I'll be caught up to meet the Lord. First Thessalonians 4 and 17. We which are alive then and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That should excite your spirit. Yes, that should excite your spirit. So. Uh, five were wise, five were foolish. You know the story. And the five who were foolish had no oil in their lamps. But the Bible, if you read the story again, they trimmed their lamps. They acted just like the ones that had oil. So to look at them, you, you'd think they, they were all ready. But only five, only five out of the ten were ready. So what else does it mean to those of us who are filled with the Holy Ghost? I already know now that the coming of the Lord Jesus, the coming of the bridegroom would mean that uh, I would immediately be in his presence. Immediately be in his presence. The second thing, though, uh, the beginning, it would mean the beginning of a new and intimate fellowship with the Lord. I, I know him one way now. I, I know him through faith. Yes. But when he comes, I'm going to see him face to face. My Lord, I can barely stand it thinking about it. Could you imagine you'll get a chance to see your Savior face to face? To those of us who have the Holy Ghost, let's go back to Matthew 25 and 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. They were with him. They went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Yes, so notice the words with him. They went in with him. 
now now he's with us yes now he's with us that paraclete the holy ghost is with us he's in us he's with us i want to take you to psalm 23 and 4. he says yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me isaiah says like this in isaiah 43 Second verse, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Matthew 28 and 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. He put an amen right there. Second Timothy 4:17 says this, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The Lord stood with me. The Lord is with us now. Yes, the Lord is with us now. Hebrews 13 and 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for ye have said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So he's with us now, but when he comes, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, but when he comes, we shall be with him. I mean literally with him, person to person. Could you imagine? standing right in front of him, sitting at a table right next to him, in the same room with him, literally. Not, not, just, not just by faith, we feel him now, he's with us. But when Jesus comes, we're going in with him. Philippians 1 and 23, listen to what it says. For I am in straight between twixt having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better to be with, my desire is to be with him. Let's compare it to 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So he's with us now, but we'll be with him. Literally, take that, we'll be with him. Notice the words, uh, with the Lord forever in that scripture I just read. Mm -hmm. And the scripture I just read, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. How comforting is this? I will be with him forever. That's why, so you gotta have the Holy Ghost. Make sure you have your vessel filled with oil, with the Holy Spirit. It's comforting. Let's go to John 17 and 24. Father, I will, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me. This is Jesus praying. This is part of his prayer. He's praying, Father, it's my will that they would also whom thou hast given me, that they will be with me. Tied in, I go away to prepare a place for you. 
where I am, there ye may be also. And Jesus is praying, Lord, I'm praying that the ones you've given to me, that they will be with me where I am. Jesus prayed, I want them with me. I didn't save them just to leave them. I, I'm saving them. I'm delivering them so they can be with me, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. My Lord, there's so much right in there I can dig into, but I don't have the time to do it. But, but I feel like spinning around and preaching a whole message right there. Hallelujah. Before the foundation of the world. Listen. Uh, what else does it mean? What else does the bridegroom coming mean to someone who has the Holy Ghost abiding on the inside? It means also, according to verse 10, let's go back, Matthew 25 and 10. While they went in to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. It means there's going to be immense joy. Yeah, the virgins, the virgins who were ready, those who were ready, uh, could you imagine what joy they felt? Yes, hallelujah, I was ready and I got to go in with the bridegroom and immediately uh, the banquet begins. You go in and the banquet begins. Surely this speaks about great joy. <laughs> what a party. I'm with Jesus and the marriage banquet begins and I'm there. How beautiful it's going to be. I have no idea. But if Jesus is decorating, imagine what it looks like, what it's going to look like. Imagine. What are we going to eat? What kind of decorations will be in the room? Who's going to be singing? All of those things go through my mind. What a time we're going to have with Jesus, what kind of joy, what kind of joy, what kind of joy, I can't even imagine, somewhere above happiness, any amount of happiness, it will supersede that, great joy, let's look at uh, Psalm 16 and 11, that will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy, we think we know joy now, but wait until we are actually face to face with our delivering savior in his presence is the fullness of joy and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Zephaniah 317 the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty he will save he will rejoice over thee with joy hallelujah I have a feeling that he, we're not going to be the only ones filled with joy he's going to be so wonderfully happy, filled with joy himself. I'd go as far to say that Jesus will serenade us. He'll even be singing at the table as we rejoice. My God, hallelujah. Yes, you didn't know God sings, did you? Yeah, they sing. And they sung a hymn and went out. Who do you think led the song? It was Jesus. I believe he's going to sing at the table with us. My Lord, I feel like turning this thing off and shouting around this sanctuary, but I got a lesson to teach. Zephaniah 317, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee. Listen to what the prophet said. He, the Messiah, he will joy over thee with singing. My God, Revelation 19. 
7 through 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife have made herself ready. We are the bride and we got to be ready. We got to be ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Listen, ain't time to play church. You got to be ready. I have, I have a wedding to attend. <laughs> Oh, my God. Put that in the comment section. Hashtag, I have a wedding to attend. Whose wedding? We're going to get married. We're going to get married. My Savior, the bridegroom is coming. And he's going to bring me into the banquet hall with him. Hallelujah. I got to have oil in my lamp. What a wonderful marriage supper it will be for those who are saved, those who who have held on to that oil, made sure that that vessel was filled with oil. Uh-huh. Listen to my notes. It's a wonderful marriage supper. will be for those who have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to take you to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. My Lord, my Lord, let's dig even deeper. The other thing I need to explain to you, and it'll be the fourth thing, what it means, what the coming of the bridegroom means to those who have the Holy Ghost. Now, we've already stated that it means an immediate entry into the presence of the Lord. It means the beginning of a new and intimate fellowship with him, meaning we'll be face to face with him. It'll be different. Now we look through a glass darkly. Now we're doing everything by faith. <laughs> but when Jesus comes, I'm going to be sitting next to him, rubbing elbows with him, bowing down to him. Hallelujah. I'd like to hold him and never let him go, thanking him for saving my soul. Could you imagine it'll be pandemonium? People will be able to see their Savior face to face. So you need the Holy Ghost. And those of you who don't have it, you better get it. And those of us who have it, you better hold on to it. It also means, right, there will be immense joy. It's going to be a celebration. And here's the fourth and last thing I, I have. Uh, it will also mean that we will be eternally secure with Jesus Christ. Eternally, eternally secure with Jesus Christ, right? And, now we're, and we're pivoting from Matthew 25 in that 10th verse in the parable. While they went to buy, those who did not have oil, they went to buy. The bridegroom came and they that were ready... Those that had oil went in with him to the marriage. They went in. They're with him. They're with him. The one that was with them, now they're with him. They're together, literally together, face to face, hand in hand. And they're going in together. And the door is, the door is shut. Hold on to those words. The door is shut. The door is shut. The door is shut. 
the door is shut. Now listen, when somebody shuts a door, two things happen. Two things happen, especially when, when you walk in the room with someone and you shut that door, you have two things. You have exclusion and inclusion, exclusion. So we're dealing with inclusion. As, as soon as the bridegroom closed the door, two things happen, exclusion and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Security of those who are inside, that's inclusion. Security belongs to those who are inside. Security belongs to those who are inside. Listen, remember when Noah and his family entered the ark? What did, what did God do when they came in? It says, let's go there, Genesis, mm -hmm. Genesis 7.16 says, The Lord shut him in. He shut the door. Why? So they would be secure in the ark. There was going to be a flood, right? So it was inclusion. Security belongs to those who are inside. And it was to shut out the ungodly. So the coming of the bridegroom will be that final separation between what is godly and what is ungodly. It was to shut in the godly. So security belongs to those who are inside, right? But those who are outside, they are excluded from that security. Where would you rather be, inside or outside? Now, and, and immediately my mind is just was going. So that means right now there are people who are in the building, but they're not inside a secure place of salvation. Oh my God. They're in the building. They're in the church building. They, they have a church responsibility. They took the right hand of fellowship, right? Because in some churches, you don't need the Holy Ghost to be a member. And, right, their name is on the roll. They pay their tithes. They're in the building, but they're not really secure in salvation. And security belongs only to those who are inside. And the door will be shut one day. And that will be the final separation between what is godly and ungodly. Thank God we're secure in Christ now. You got to be secure in Christ now so you can be secure in Christ later. You need the Holy Ghost and hold on to it. Colossians 3 and 3. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So when the Lord comes, we'll be secure with Christ. When he comes, he's going to shut the door. My God, when he comes, he's going to have to shut the door. The door is open now, and you have an opportunity to get your oil. <laughs> get your oil, because the time is going to come where he's going to close the door, and only his children will be allowed to come in. Luke 23, 43. Listen, if this is bothering you, come to the altar. Get to the altar somewhere. Bow down and say, Lord, I need to be right. Luke 23, 43, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Remember those words he said to, the, to one of the thieves while he was dying on the cross, right? Uh, and, and he realized that he was a sinner and that he needed Christ in his life. He took him. Now, this is before the Holy Ghost fell, right? This is before uh, the actual ushering in of the grace of God, uh, 
as as it relates to being a dispensation but jesus said because of this today i'm going to bring you into paradise and there's a lesson right there there's a two-hour lesson right right in that one verse concerning jesus bringing him into paradise right and I'm going to stop because I'm, I'm feeling happy right there. But when the Lord comes, we will be secure with Christ. Jesus is coming to bring us in. We're going to be taken out of here. And he's going to bring us into the chambers. And we're going to have a time, my Lord. So we discussed briefly what it means to those who have the Holy Ghost, who have received the Holy Ghost, who are trusting and believing in God. And they have held on and their oils were trimmed and filled with oil. Now let's talk about then what would it mean to those who don't have any oil in the lamp, have no Holy Ghost. They have no Holy Ghost. They have no Holy Ghost. What would it mean? Now Jesus starts off teaching by saying the kingdom of God is, is, is like this. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. I'll start again, Matthew 25 and 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like this. So he's saying, when I come, you're going to have some in the church that are ready. They got oil in their lamp. They're ready to go into the banquet hall. And you got some who have been in church. They've been there, but they're not ready. To, they ain't ready to go nowhere. No, listen. If your car runs out of gas, you can't go nowhere. I don't care how nice the car is. I don't care how much money you paid for that car. I don't care how many times you put wax on that car. If there's no gas in it, it can't go anywhere. If there's no Holy Ghost in you, you can't go anywhere. What will be the position then of those who appear to be Christians, who appear to be believers they have that look you know they look churchy they know how to dress they know how to sing it they know how to dance they know all the things that they should know but they have not given their life to the lord and they have not been filled with the holy ghost what will be their position they may even belong to the church i have in my notes but they're not saved they don't have the holy ghost they don't have the Holy Ghost. It, it, keeps, it keeps ringing in my spirit. I come and they don't have the Holy Ghost. All these years you've been in the church 20 years and don't have the Holy Ghost. I, uh, I was a little boy. I was about seven years old and I never forgot this. My mother took me to a concert. My mother took me to a concert at a Baptist church in the Bronx and the church was packed. I mean the church was packed out with people. And the music was awesome. I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm, you know, that's, that's in like the 60s. I'm telling my age. So it was real gospel, gospel, gospel music. I have to say it that way. It wasn't like a lot of stuff we hear today. And I mean, they were singing. The church was rocking. And the choir that was singing, the man was leading the, the song, and he had the Holy Ghost. He had the Holy Ghost. And he got into the song and the Holy Ghost took over and he started speaking in tongues and praising God in that church. Some people were rejoicing with him and praising God. But the pastor of the church got angry because they didn't teach 
anything about receiving the Holy Ghost. And he had the ushers and some of the deacons literally pick him up and carry him outside of the church because they didn't go for that. We don't go for that. We don't, we don't, we don't do that. Now, some churches have literally put the Holy Ghost outside. You know, they'll talk about Jesus in the manger. They talk about Mary had a little lamb. They, but when it, when it comes to being saved, as a matter of fact, some, some churches teach, some teach that you can be saved and don't have the Holy Ghost. I'm saved, but I don't have the Holy Ghost. But the word of God is clear. There has to be oil in the vessel. You have to have the Holy Ghost. And I read it to you in Romans, the eighth chapter, where it says, if you don't have his spirit, you are none of his. So listen, I'm not attacking Baptists or Methodists. It doesn't matter uh, what's over your church. What matters is what's inside you. I'm, I have to say it again, because listen, there are people in Catholic churches that have been filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is falling. I said the Holy Ghost is falling, so we don't have time to even shove the Holy Ghost in any denomination or any kind of organization. The Holy Ghost is for the filling of souls, and Jesus is filling people with the Holy Ghost today. Yes, today, and you can't afford to reject it or play with it or push it off. You must be born Again, because when we stand before the Lord, he's not going to ask you who your pastor was. He's not going to ask you if you were Catholic, Methodist, Baptist. He wants to know if you have his spirit abiding on the inside. Yeah. And I know some of you are, are cringing at this because you were, you were taught, well, if you don't belong to my church, uh, you're going to hell. Right. But he says, I, I, have, I have flocks. I have lambs that you don't even know about. People in other flocks, people don't, don't even look like you. And I filled them with the Holy Ghost. We got to stop some of this stuff and just make sure we're ready when Jesus comes and, and be filled with his power. Because there's a whole lot of people claiming to be holiness, claiming to be apostolic, claiming to be a whole lot of stuff. And have not taken the time to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I know I'm talking right. Jesus said you must be born again. He didn't say you must be cool, JC. You must be Kojic. You must be AFFI. He said you must be born again. Hallelujah. So what would it mean to those who don't have the Holy Ghost? Number one, they will be shut out from the presence of the Lord. Verse 10. I'm back in verse 10. I can't get away from verse 10. Matthew 25 and 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. You can't get married without the Holy Ghost. <laughs> My God. And then the final clause of verse 10. And the door was shut. So they people that don't have the Holy Ghost, when the door is shut, you will be shut out. Remember, I told you, you have, you have those when the door shuts, you have inclusion and exclusion. So those who don't have the Holy Ghost will be excluded from the marriage. You won't be able to attend. You won't make it in. They will be shut out from the presence of the Lord. Let's go to Matthew 24. Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 24, verses 40 through 44. Then shall two be in the field, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken 
and the other left. Watch therefore, this is Jesus talking, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. You don't know when he comes, so you got to be ready. But know this, if the good man of the house had known and what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. So all through the word of God, the Lord is telling us, he's telling the people, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. You got to watch. You got to know your surroundings. You got to know I'm coming. You don't know when, but you better know I'm coming to receive you unto myself. The bridegroom is coming. Be ready when he comes. Be ready. So to those who don't have the Holy Ghost, when the bridegroom comes, they'll be shut out. They'll be excluded. Number two, it will also mean separation from the wise virgins. And by that, I mean the five wise went in and the five foolish were kept out. They were shut out. When the Lord comes, right, when the Lord comes, separation will be, it will be so astonishing it will be something else, so powerful to some, right? Uh, because some of you, listen, you, you'll have situations where the grandma was saved and she's been witnessing to the, to the daughter or the grandchildren. You need the Holy Ghost and grandma will be taken away. And, and those who have been rejecting her testimony for years, they won't see grandma no more. We've had home going after home going and we've pleaded with the unsaved family members get the Holy Ghost if you want to see them again you have to have the Holy Ghost and they took all those years and never gave their lives to the Lord Jesus they'll never see their loved one again there'll be a gulf between them hallelujah you need the Holy Ghost to make it in there'll be eternal separation from their loved ones and friends and parents right the, the, the mother and father have been witnessing to the daughter and the son. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. You need to be saved. And they've been pushing it off. Oh, mama, I don't want to hear that. But when Jesus comes, you're going to look for mama and she won't be in the house. She's going to be with Jesus. So it means separation. The saved from the unsaved. It means separation. Husbands from their wives. Right? The, the husband may have backslid over the years and and Jesus comes and the wife disappears they'll be laying in the bed and she'll be gone and he'll be left behind what a time of separation it's going to be a sad day for those who would not receive the gift I didn't say could not I say would not it's a gift they've been rejecting it pushing it away laughing at it scoffing at it right yeah even in church I've been in conversation with, with, with preachers and people in seminary who, who look at us as being cultish and now we don't speak in tongues anymore. And I'm like, I'm so glad I have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is real and I won't let go of the Holy Ghost for nobody. Hallelujah. I won't let go of the Holy Ghost. Did you hear me? For nobody. I need the Holy Ghost. I need oil in my lamp. Matthew 24, 44. 40 through 44. Two will be in the field. One take it. Two and grinding at the mill. One take it. And you can, you can, two will be sitting on the airplane. And one will leave. Two flying the plane. The captain will leave, but the co-captain's there. 
And Lord, help us if both the captain and the co-captain got the Holy Ghost. Nobody will be flying the plane. What a day of separation. Could you imagine what the news report is going to be? Cars with no drivers, buses with no drivers. More than half of the people are people just disappearing. It's going to be a day of separation. And we've had all of these years. People are going to look back and say, I had all of this time. They told me to get baptized. They told me to get the Holy Ghost. Might be a backslider. Hallelujah. Looking and saying, Lord, I should have came back when you told me to come back. I've been pushing it away this far. This separation from the Lord and from the saved will be final and eternal. You'll be finally separated from the Lord and from those who are saved. The church will no longer be here. Hallelujah. The people of God will be taken away. What kind of day will it be for those who do not have the Holy Ghost? The next, the separation from the Lord and from the saved will be final and eternal. I, I want to take you all the way to Genesis. And I want to read uh, out of chapter 18. And it deals with Abraham. This is a conversation that Abraham, Abraham is having with the Lord about Sodom and Gomorrah. And this world is like Sodom and Gomorrah now. Yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what was going on there. Uh, and, and, and people immediately say, well, there, there was homosexuality there. It was a lot worse than just homosexuality in Sodom and Gomorrah. Every evil work was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it wasn't so much that the fact it was there. It was, it was the fact that they would not repent of their sins. And what kind of God would he be if he did not judge us for our sins. New Testament reference says we're going to be judged for everything we've done in this body. But they were wicked. Sodom and Gomorrah was wicked. Sodomites, rape, murder, you name it. It was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abram, you know, remember he's going back and forth. If there's 10, if there's, if there's this many, will you destroy the city? And this is what this is what is being said between he and Jehovah. He says, the 25th chapter of the 18th, 20, I'm sorry, the 25th verse of the 18th chapter of Genesis says, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. Abraham is saying, are you going to kill the righteous people with the wicked? You're going to destroy the city, but are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And that the righteous should be as the wicked? That be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I'm going to read it in the Common English Bible to make it even clearer. The Common English Bible says it like this. It's not like you to do this, killing the innocent with the guilty as if there were no difference. It's not like you. Will the judge of all the earth not act justly? So Abraham is saying, it's, it's, I, I can't see you killing the righteous. And if he was standing here today, he was, I can't see God destroying the saved folk with the unsaved folk. No, there's got to be a separation. I'm coming to gather up my jewels. Those who have given their life and lived saved and kept oil in their lamp. Listen, if you're leaking oil, come to the altar and plug up the leak. You need, you need a full cup. You need the Holy Ghost. Don't play with it. You can't give it away. When you get saved, stay saved. Hold on to it. Don't be foolish. 
put it in the comment section. Hashtag don't be foolish. Stay saved. Don't be foolish. Stay saved. Don't be foolish. So, listen. Listen at my notes. Um, there's no hint here anywhere in the scriptures of a second chance of salvation. It's not in this story. And I, I haven't found it anywhere. When Jesus comes, a second chance of salvation. I know we sing that song, A God of a Second Chance. But after he takes the church out of here, the door was shut. And I just read Genesis 18 and 25. I'll read it again, but I'll just read the last part. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Will the judge of all the earth not act justly? He has to separate us. We've been redeemed. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I dare say that the tribulation period is not for us. It's not for those who have been born again and who have held on to their salvation. It's for those who have rejected him. Yes. Next, it will be a time of bitter remorse. When Jesus comes to the unsaved, it's going to be a time of bitter remorse. Let's go to the 11th. I've, I've, I've exhausted verse 10. Let's go to verse 11. Matthew 25 and 11. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Now the door's been shut. And those who have the Holy Ghost, those that had the oil, they're in there celebrating with their Savior. And those who didn't have any oil show up at the door knocking. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open up, open the door. Open up. They did the same thing in Noah's day. Water started rising and they're banging on the door. Let us in. But the door was shut. And the Bible says in Genesis, God shut the door. And when God shuts the door, no man can open it. Oh, my God. And when God opens the door, no man can close it. So it's a time of bitter remorse. Could you imagine? I'm banging on the door and he won't let me in. You know how you get. You know how you get when you're knocking on the door, ringing the doorbell, and nobody opens the door for you? After a while, you get agitated because I've been, I've been standing here. But the truth is, as it relates to salvation, he's been preaching and reaching and, and touching and asking people to come. Come to me. Come to me. Come get saved. People have heard the word. And I'm even talking about people who are already in the church. You've heard all of this word. Why won't you give your total heart to Jesus and let him fill you with his power. There's going to be a time when Jesus comes to those who have rejected and those who have not received the Holy Ghost and, and those who basically and, and truthfully just sat in church and went through the motions and never got the Holy Ghost, never received it. So uh, listen to my notes, how solemn it is. When you remember that those pictured here outside, outside of the door, knocking, the door's been shut. They're not atheists. I have in my notes, not agnostics or grossly wicked people. These were church members. My Lord. These were church members. They were dressed like the other virgins. They had lamps like the other virgins. They walk like them. They look like them. They have people in the church that walk and talk and do everything else that everybody else does, but there's no Holy Ghost on 
the inside. So Jesus is talking to the church. Remember, he starts out, the kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins. My church is like this. You got some who have it and some who don't have it. And you got a lot of people who don't have it acting like they're going to make it in and they will not make it in. You need to be saved. These are church members that were knocking. Religious, respectable, good living people who are banging on the door after the bridegroom shuts it. Let me in. And my question is, will you be inside? Are outside when Jesus comes. When the bridegroom comes, are you going to be outside? Are you going to be inside? Don't answer that now. Just, just take it inside and contemplate. We want to be ready when the bridegroom comes. Will you be outside knocking and asking, Lord, let me in. Lord, let me in. When right now he says, come, come, kneel at the cross. Jesus will meet me there. Kneel at the cross. Hallelujah. Kneel at the cross. Come. Come. You can be saved now. You can be saved now. Listen. Listen. I have to talk straight because we got brothers and sisters even holding position and don't have no Holy Ghost. Got preachers preaching and don't have no Holy Ghost. Singers singing and don't have no Holy Ghost. So that means when Jesus comes and you don't have no Holy Ghost, you'll still be preaching, still be singing, still be doing everything else and be left behind. No, I want to see Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to see Jesus. I, don't, I want to see Jesus. I want to be inside. I want to be inside. Will you be ready when Jesus comes? Let's let's look at. Let's look at. I, I want to read that again. I, I want to let's look at 13 verse 13 Matthew 25 and 13 because he says watch therefore for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the son of man is coming I don't know when he's coming I just have to make sure that my lamp is filled and trimmed trimmed I have to be what God wants me to be, obedient. Yes, I have to follow his word. I have to live holy before him. Not going through the motions, but whatever he tells me to do, I must do so I can be ready when Jesus comes. Listen, the last thing, the last thing, and I'm, I'm going to stop, it will mean being unrecognized. And this to me might be the most, well, Probably the most hurtful thing in the in the story for those who don't have the Holy Ghost. It will mean being unrecognized by Jesus Christ. Listen, when you read verses 11 and 12 of chapter 25 of the gospel, according to St. Matthew, it says after it says in verse 10, the door was shut shut. I'm sorry. Then it says afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. He says in verse 12, but he answered and said, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Now you say the first thing I said, well, how long they've been in the church? How long they've been walking around with the lamp? How long were they walking around with no oil and acting like, well, I got time. I don't need to get no oil. How long you've been walking around with that big Bible under your arm? How long you've been a member of the church? Right. 
how long you've been a missionary, how long you've been in the building, how long you've been singing in the choir, how long, how long, how long, and when you're going to say, Lord, I want to be saved, when you're going to get the Holy Ghost, when are you going to seek the oil? He says, after all that, I don't even know you. I don't know you. I don't know you. To me, to me, this is the beginning of going to hell. This is, this is the beginning of hell. The beginning of hell for that person that's been in church all these years and never thought it was necessary to get the Holy Ghost. They may even felt, oh, I'm okay. I'm with so-and-so. I'm okay. But you got to get the Holy Ghost. You have to get your own oil. And after all that time, the bridegroom looks and says, I don't know you. My God. So you got to live throughout eternity now, outside. You end up in hell. Yeah. His provision. You have to live throughout eternity without his provision and without his recognition. I don't even know you. That's the beginning of going to hell. You've been written off. He doesn't even know you. I'm, I'm with my children now. Without his presence, without his provision, without his recognition. No. Will you be ready? Will you be ready when the bridegroom comes? I'm going to read verse 13 again. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. Wow. So the virgins represent those who have heard the good news and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the wise virgins. Yes, the bridegroom is Jesus Christ. The foolish virgins are those who are sitting in the house. They're in the kingdom, but they didn't think enough of the plan of salvation to have their vessels filled with oil. The delay in his return until the second coming of Christ, that was his grace. This delay is, is grace. I know we say he's coming soon, but that time in between now and when he comes is grace. And that sudden coming at midnight is the unexpected time of the return of my Savior, Jesus Christ. No one knows except the Father. And those who are properly prepared are welcome into the kingdom of heaven, whereas those who are not will be spurned into final judgment. Hallelujah. So those who are faithful and prepared, those who are faithful and prepared, those who are faithful and prepared will be rewarded in the end times. And those who are unfaithful and unprepared will suffer eternal punishment. Getting ready to close then. So what, what can I do to apply the principles of this lesson? Because uh, and it, it speaks to the responsibility of those who are in the church. Responsibilities while we are waiting, we have to watch. We have to make sure we have everything the Bible tells us we need to have. We need his spirit abiding on the inside. And Hebrews tells me in the 10th chapter, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. <laughs> And we should always think to motivate one another, not only to get saved, but to stay saved, to stay saved. 
So don't let us not neglect any opportunity to encourage one another or to even question, are you still holding on? Are you still holding on? Are you preparing for the return of Jesus Christ? Because I want you to make it. I don't want you to sit in church and not make it in. I don't want the bridegroom to come and you be left outside. I don't want to be outdoors either. I want to be in there. I want to be in there when the bridegroom comes. I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop here. But if there's anyone who has connected to us tonight and, and this lesson has touched you, perhaps you're not where you should be and you realize it, I dare say even those of us who consider ourselves strong and doing everything right, perhaps this five-part series was designed to just get us to look at ourselves, never mind how long you've been saved. Is there anything that I need to fix, Lord? Is there anything in what I can't fix myself? Lord, I surrender. Fix it for me. Hallelujah. What's going on in my kingdom? The Lord is coming back for a church that is ready. So I'm going to pray. My brother, my sister, if you don't know Jesus in the pardon of your sins, if you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I have enough faith to believe that if you surrender yourself now, Right now in this Bible study, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. So right where you are, I can't see you, but by faith, I believe you're out there. Lift your hands and just begin to worship the Lord. I pray there's someone in that room with you that can tarry with you and pray with you, and he'll fill you with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Lift your hands and begin to praise and worship him. Hallelujah. And he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Yes, he will. And if there's anyone who has not been baptized in Jesus' name, you want to be baptized, send me that request. Admin at grtdc.org. And someone from our staff will reach out to you, tell you what you need to do, and we'll connect you with the Bible-believing church, and they'll, we'll baptize you in Jesus' name. Any prayer request? Special request, anything that you want me to pray for and touch and agree, send it to me. Admin at grtdc.org. And we'll lay it on the altar as we pray. Stretch off your hand, won't you? Even uh, that screen or squeeze that smartphone, child you, and we're going to go into prayer. Father, we thank you and we praise your holy name. Hasha. We thank you, Lord, for this Bible teaching. And we ask, O oh Lord, that as we soul search and as we do inventory, if there's anything wrong, we ask that you'd make it right. And what we're not strong enough to fix or to rearrange, we ask, we give you, O oh God, full course. We open ourselves wide open. Whatever you need to do, do it for us. If you see anything that should not be, take it away. Create in us a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within us. The bridegroom is coming and we want to be ready. Touch her. Touch him. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, help us, Lord, that the church will be right. And you'll come and take us out of here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you're going to plant a seed in this ministry, you want to pay your tithes. Technician will put that on the screen. Please follow those instructions. And those of you who are uh, 
worshiping with us and in this class from Refuge Temple Annex, please use Givelify and plant your seed there uh, as we plant seed in this ministry. Father, I pray that you take every seed that's being planted and bring forth harvest. Bless both the seed and the planter. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you now. Uh, we will begin our 21-day fast, and certainly we have so much to pray for, but our 21-day fast will begin on this weekend. Now, uh, Lady Fields is going to get me because I always mess up dates. Uh, now, in my mind, it's the 18th through the 7th, the 18th through the 7th. That's Sunday, uh, Jan Monday, Monday, January 18th through Sunday, February 7th. And I may have that wrong, but it's 21 days. Uh, Lord, help me. 21 day fast. I'll leave it there. If I'm wrong, Lady Fields will correct me, I'm sure. And uh, But what she has sent out are the right dates. Uh, right now, I'll say the 18th of January through the 7th of February will be in our 21 day fast. And I want to send out a devotion to you every day during the 21-day fast. Uh, the membership of the church will receive it. If you would like to be added to that devotion list, every day a devotion will come to you from my desk. Every day something for you to meditate on. Send me your email address so we can make sure you have it. Send me your email address. Send it to admin at grtdc.com. And Lady Fields will make sure that you receive it with everyone else. I thank God for my wife. She's a tremendous help to me. And she keeps me straight. Yes, she does. I thank God for her and all that she does in that office, uh, making sure. And I know she's going to get me if I didn't give you the, the right date. So I'm repenting now. <laughs> Uh, but we'll get it straight. But it, if it's not the 18th, that Sunday, or it's the 17th, it's that Monday, the 18th, and it's for 21 days. 21 days. All right. And something will go out this week anyway. And whatever she sends out this week, it will have the correct dates on it. And I apologize for that. I'm not as young as I used to be. And, um, but I'm, you know, God is still good to me. Well, I've got to leave you. I wish, I wish we could spend more time together. I miss you all so much. Uh, and I think one reason why I talk so much is because we're not able to come into the temple like we used to because of this pandemic. Uh, but hopefully soon we'll be able to come into the temple uh, and uh, we'll be so glad to see each other. I'm sure we will. Uh, but I miss you all so much. I want you to know that. I'm praying for you. Lady Fields and I are praying for you, for your strength, praying that the Lord will continue to protect you. And we'll be back next week if the Lord says so. But until then, I want you to do three things. I want you to be careful. I want you to be prayerful and be holy. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.